Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Bunnell in 1971 wrote a song about his journey and this is what he wrote on the first part of the journey I was looking at all the life there were plants and birds and rocks and things there was sand and hills and rings the first thing I met was a fly with a buzz and the sky with no clouds the heat was hot and the ground was dry but the air was full of sound After two days in the desert sun, my skin began to turn red. After three days in the desert fun, I was looking at a riverbed. After nine days, I let the horse run free because the desert had turned to sea. You see, I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out of the rain. I have no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) It seems like he was on some kind of a journey with some ups and downs. This morning, we're going to look at a journey with more, seemingly more downs than ups in a sermon entitled, Voices at the Door. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to our text for this morning, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Acts 16, 6 through 10. The background of the story is that Paul is on his second missionary journey. In his missionary journey, he was with Barnabas, and started off with John Mark, and then John Mark left almost as soon as they started. Um, Paul and Barnabas completed the first missionary journey. They came back a couple years later. Uh, Paul started off on his second missionary journey. This time, um, long story short, it was with Silas. And after they got into the journey, Timothy joined them. And around the time this happened, that Paul is going on a second missionary journey, Uh, Thomas, the apostle, was coming over in the opposite direction across the Arabian Sea into India, to my home state, about 25 miles from where I was born, and he was evangelizing, as Paul was on a second missionary journey, evangelizing the state where I was born. Um, Let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Turn your Bibles to this passage, and you can keep it open at this passage because we will be staying here for the duration of this sermon. Verse 6 following, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul of a man in Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel them. Now this passage is a gold mine with lots of nuggets about God's will and how to listen to God and how to follow his will. I've divided the sermon into two parts. In the first two-thirds of our time together, we will look at doors. We will look at closed doors and open doors. And in the second one-third, we will look at uh, listening and voices. First, let's look at doors and we will look first at open doors. Paul saw a vision of a man from Macedonia, crying and begging him to come, and they took that as an open door to go to Macedonia. We understand open doors. 
right? If you're looking for a job and you got a job interview, you consider that as an open door. If uh, you're looking for a house and you found something in your price point that has a garage and doesn't have HOA fees, then that's an open door. Uh, or if you're looking for a spouse and the next pretty female shows you uh, a remote interest against the odds, you consider that an open door. <laughs> I want to ask two, well, well, I want to talk two things about open doors. The first one is, and the question is, who is opening the door? Who is opening the door? An open door is an available opportunity. I mean, that's what an open door is. It's an available opportunity. And there's more to it than just having an open door. It's, you need the guidance to go through the open door and go past the open door into the way that's, that's now been opened for you. As it turns out, the open door is usually the last step in that sequence of events, which means that a few other things have happened in the past that have brought you to this open door. So there's a lot of planning and preparation and praying and other communication that has gone on before you came to this open door. But the question to ask is, did God open this door? Is this opportunity for this house or the job or the whatever, is this opportunity from God? We cannot assume that every opportunity, that every open door is from God. It's not. So the question is usually answered because of the miraculous nature of the open door. That the miraculous nature of the open door, just like, like we heard just now, how, how uh, the, those, those church members were, were asked, were, uh, had the idea to go elsewhere, and they went elsewhere, and miraculously they found that the place where they were were bombed out. Right? It's a miraculous opening of the door. Either it's a miraculous opening of the door, or you've had prior communication to show you that it is actually God who opened this door. The second point that I want to make is what I will call delayed doubt. And so they went from, um, well, they came down to Troas, and there they got the vision. Paul got this vision about a man from Macedonia, and they went across uh, to Samothrace, and then they went to Macedonia. The first city that they encounter in Macedonia is this big city called Philippi. And they get there, Paul, Silas, and Timothy get there, and um, the, the first encounter they have, they have this meeting, and a group of people become believers, and one of them is a very rich female who happens to be the very first European convert of the gospel, Lydia, is a female, and she invites them to their home, and they have a good time of fellowship, and probably Silas turns to Paul and says, man, that was a great vision you had. That was great guidance you had. Strong work. But that's not how the uh, chapter ends, is it? Because in that chapter, before the chapter is done, they are beaten and in chains and in a dungeon. What do they think then? What would we think then? What would we think if we walked through an open door that God provided and you found yourself beaten and in a dungeon? 
Many times we question the will of God when we run into obstacles. Right? We assume that if we follow God's will, the path is going to be nice and clear and smooth, and we just go gliding along. But that is not true. There is nowhere in Scripture, either from example or from statement, where it says that if you follow God's will, everything is going to be smooth. There will always be obstacles. And that is why we cannot use obstacles to determine the will of God. We can't use obstacles either the presence or the absence of them, you can't use obstacles to determine the will of God. Why do we think this? Why do we think that an obstacle is contrary to the will of God? One of the reasons, there may be other reasons, but one of the reasons is that one of the mirrors we use to identify the will of God, among other things, one of the markers to say, okay, this is the will of God, is our comfort. We put our comfort up there as one of the things that we use to identify whether something is God's will or not. Yes, there is our holiness, God's glory, the word, the commands, the examples, the illustrations from scripture, but somewhere in there we squeeze in our comfort. And we use that as, as one of the markers to see if this is God's will or not, whatever, whatever we are looking to find out about God's will. I have a friend who's, who's a missionary in, who, who is a missionary in Ukraine, like you are brother and uh, family. And uh, I got an email from him two days ago, and he said that in the last few years, um, they've been sending, the Ukrainian church has been sending a lot of missionaries to southern Russia, to the 40 people groups of southern Russia. The Ukrainian church has been sending over. But since 2014, when they annexed, uh, Crimea, that has completely dried up. And so he said it is more a spiritual battle than it is a physical battle. So for those churches in Ukraine that were following God's will and sending missionaries to Russia, do they have comfort now? God's will comes with obstacles. And there's no way around it. And we shouldn't doubt his will when those obstacles come. Second, let's look at closed doors. We have all faced closed doors, right? We have, we've prayed, we've planned, we've prepared, we've desired, we've wanted, we've reasoned, and things don't work out the way we've thought it. Um, for every success I've had, I think I've had about a thousand failures, because this the failures just add up and add up, and there's tons of them. First, I want to look at continuous closed doors. Continuous closed doors. So, so if you look at the map, you will see that um, Paul came from what is called Pisidian Antioch. That's where they started uh, in earnest. They started their uh, second, second journey. Well, they started it from Syrian Antioch, came across... Uh, to some uh, other cities that they had seen in their first missionary journey, like Derby and Lystra and Iconium. And then after they did some follow-up work on previous churches, now they're starting uh, to, to go to new areas. They start from Antioch, and then they go, Asia is on the, on, um, what is called as Asia at that time, is on the south side, on the left side of that journey. And then uh, um, 
They're at, well, they start at Phrygian, Galatia, and then it's a no, it's a closed door there. Then they go to Asia, and then on the left, it's a closed door there. And then they try to go to Bithynia, which is north on the south side of the Black Sea, and it's a closed door there. And then uh, they go across to Mysia, and this is a long journey across. They go across to Mysia on the south side, and it's a closed door everywhere. And so now the, the team is wondering, what's, what's going on, you know? We, we, we started with our team and it's closed doors. They were perplexed as they left behind city after city and they kept moving along. And they go uh, down across, to the coast, across the coast and down into Troas. Um, finally, they left all the other cities behind. And, and from Pisidian Antioch, where they started to Troas, is about 300 miles. And they're on foot. And they are walking and walking and walking and there's closed door after closed door after closed door. Sometimes you have closed doors for the longest time to a point where you have, you have forgotten to have an open door. Isn't it? Maybe it's a kid that you're praying about and it's a closed door. Maybe it's a job you're praying about and it's a closed door. Maybe it's marriage you're praying about. Maybe it's a family dynamic. Maybe it's ministry you're praying about. And it's a closed door and closed door. And week after week, month after month, it's a closed door. Then they come to Troas. And Troas is primarily a port city. It, it had an artificial harbor, and there was a lot of travel that went through Troas. So from Troas, you can go to Macedonia, as these, uh, as these disciples did. You can go to Greece and Europe beyond. So there was a lot of travel that happened in Troas. And Caesar Augustus had declared Troas to be a colony city, so there was a sizable population there. And so this was one of those strategic cities that Paul would have gone and done evangelism in. And here, as they're walking down across the coast, they come to Troas and uh, they are kind of excited because this is a strategic city. Yes, we left Mysia and Bithynia and all the other places behind, but this is going to be a great time of evangelism from now on. And Troas, and it's a closed door. They were there in Troas for a while. How do we know this? Let me read the passage again from verse 8 following. Acts chapter 16, verse 8. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you catch the change in grammar? Let me read the second half of verse 9 following. Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave. We got ready at once. Who's we? Right? We is the author of the book, Luke. Luke wasn't part of the original team. There are three times in the book of Acts where Luke is part of the story. This is the first one. The second one is in chapter 20, and the third one is in 27, 28, where he is part of the story. Luke is not from Troas. It's not like they came to his hometown and he's right there. 
Luke is from a thousand miles away in Syrian Antioch. Luke shows up there, so, which means that they were in Troas for a while, sitting with the sword. They had come for the ministry, you know, living in somebody else's home, waiting for the door to open up. As it turns out, Luke met Paul twice on two missionary journeys. On the second missionary journey, Luke came to Troas where Paul and his team were and then went to Philippi with them. After that, on his third missionary journey, when Paul came to Troas, Luke came to Troas and met them. You know how when, when people go to the same vacation spot year after year, and they post the same pictures year after year. <laughs> Nothing looks different. The sea behind looks almost identical to their previous year's picture. And the sand in front looks identical to the previous year's picture. The only thing that's changed is maybe a hair has become gray. So Paul shows up two times to Troas. Unlikely on vacation, but he showed up. What I'm going to say next is very important. Just because we have continuous closed doors does not mean that the next open door is from God. We can be tempted to think that, man, I have not had a job opening for all this time. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Nothing has happened. And the next time it opens, I just automatically assume it's from God and take it. And that may not be true. Because like we said earlier, we have to find out who is opening the door. It need not be God. Second, let's look at the journey. They had used resources during their journey as they came upon continuous closed doors. Right? I mean, this was a long journey, 300 miles. They had used their time and whatever money they had and whatever hospitality they had, they used it up. Sometimes we think that we need to get to a destination to be part of the plan of God. But in the economy of God, the journey to get there is also part of the plan of God. It's not just the destination that's part of the plan of God. The journey to get there is also part of the plan of God. In fact, many times you may spend more time in the journey than in the destination. Sometimes you may never get to your destination. Your entire time will be in the journey. And we think, well, as soon as I'm done with this phase of my life, I'm going to get involved in the ministry. Right? As soon as I'm done with this phase, as soon as I'm done with paying off all my student loans, I'm going to do whatever I can in the ministry. As soon as my kids uh, go to school, or as soon as I get done with this large phase, then I'm going to get involved in ministry. 
I'm going to do something that has eternal value. We understand where, you know, that there are certain seasons of life when you're not available. You know, if, if you have a newborn and you're up all night, yes, and that's not a good time for ministry. You, you need to stay. Or if you're newly married or if you just got into school or whatever the cause. You know, there are certain circumstances when you have to take a break, and, and, and we get that. When I was in Kansas City, um, I was there for seven years. Our work schedule, I worked 100 to 120 hours a week. Uh, most, well, three out of the four weekends, two to three out of the four weekends, I was working at the hospital there, and I'd, I mean, there was no time. So the most I could do at that time was preach once in three months at the church there. So I preached about four times a year. So we understand if you're going through that little phase where, where you need to get through. But sometimes we wait that entire long phase to be done. To get involved in the ministry or to get involved in the things of God. Let me ask you a question. What are you not doing because you are waiting to reach somewhere? What are you not doing because you're waiting to reach somewhere? If we wait until we reach our destination to do things for God, you may never do anything for God. In the second part of the sermon, let's just look at the levels of listening, what I call levels of listening. Many times people say that God spoke to them. That's great, but did he really? Did he really speak to you? I don't doubt that God speaks to us. I don't doubt that we can listen to God. I want to know if God really spoke to you. If God is really speaking to you, how come he never tells you something that you don't want to hear? <laughs> Usually when we say God speaks to us, it's stuff that we, we want to hear. So I've, I've made kind of two levels of listening. And first is what I call the comfortable voice. The comfortable voice. You're able to hear the comfortable voice. It's a favorable voice. You say yes, you want something, you say yes, and God says yes. You see, that's a comfortable voice. You can easily hear God's comfortable voice with your comfortable voice. So you want the house with the pool? God says yes, great, you guys are on, on board. Or you want the house with the job where you can stay at home and sit in your pajamas? You say yes, God says yes, everything is great. Or you love the guy with the, with the chiseled jaw and the oily. You say yes, God says yes, everything is great. <laughs> then we come to the second kind of voice, which I will call the contrary voice. Where you say yes and God says no. Oily hair, no, no. The question is, are we able to hear the contrary voice? 
Or is our comfortable voice drowning out God's contrary voice? Paul heard a contrary voice, right? He wanted to do evangelism right then. God said no, almost to his surprise. What? But he was able to listen to God saying no. His comfortable voice was not loud, so loud that he couldn't listen to God's contrary voice. You see, our voices in our heads, our desires are so loud that they drown out the voice of God. What is the difference between the two voices? The comfortable voice is favorable to the self, while usually the contrary voice is contrary to the self. When was the last time you heard God speaking to you in a contrary voice? I suggest that it takes more maturity to hear the contrary voice. It takes more sitting in the presence of God. It takes listening to him more and more and learning to differentiate between what is your voice and what is God's voice. To be able to know when he is speaking to you in a contrary voice. The greatest example of listening in a contrary voice is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 26, verse 37. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The comfortable voice of Jesus went in one direction and the silence of God was the contrary voice that went in the other direction. The burden of carrying infinite sin was torture to the soul of Jesus Christ. Wars bring out pervasive evil, but they also bring out the best in others. One of the ways that the Russian tanks were approaching Ukraine in the last few days was through Crimea that they annexed in 2014. And there's a bridge that connects Crimea to mainland Ukraine called the Henichesk Bridge. And there was a battalion of soldiers that were assigned uh, Ukrainian soldiers that were assigned to protect this bridge so that they would prevent the Russians from coming across the bridge from Crimea into mainland Ukraine. But as the Russian armored column came across, came through uh, towards the bridge, the battalion decided to blow up the bridge instead of staying and fighting them. They, they, they figured that that was a better way to to, to stop them. And so the battalion stayed on, on one side, on the mainland side, and there was battalion um, engineer Vitaly Skakun who was in the bridge, and he volunteered to put the mines on the span of the bridge. But he quickly realized that if he put things in the middle of the bridge, he would not have time to run away. And so he had a choice. If he decided to stand there and save his life, 
He would run away and the, the Russian tanks would come across the bridge and kill him and his battalion and his countrymen. But if he wanted to destroy the bridge, he would lose his life, but save his battalion and save some of his countrymen. So he destroyed the bridge. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ heard the contrary voice, destroyed sin and the wrath that came with sin, and in the process lost his life. I want to give the opportunity for us to respond to the sermon. Maybe there's somebody here who's never invited Jesus into your life, or somebody listening that has never invited Jesus into your life. You can pray a prayer after me, and it's, it's, not, it's not a magical prayer, but if it's a prayer that comes from the bottom of your heart, God will answer it and fulfill it. Or maybe there is somebody here who is facing continuous doors. Your wits end. You can also pray with us. Maybe there's somebody here who has residual doubt. Because of the obstacles, you doubt whether you are in the will of God. Or maybe there's somebody here who's been waiting for the season to be done. Or maybe there's somebody here who cannot hear the contrary voice of God. And you can also pray with us. If there's anyone here who's never invited Jesus into your life, you can pray this prayer after me can say something like this, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. Thank you for the open door of salvation that you have opened for me. Thank you for Jesus who heard the contrary voice and sacrificed his life. Thank you for the death of Christ. Thank you for the resurrection of Christ. Thank you for the hope of eternal life. I ask you to come into my life and make me complete. Help me to live a life that's worthy of you. Heavenly Father, I pray for the rest of us that have been Christians for a while. We have listened to you. We sometimes listen to you, but our own voices Crowd out your voice, O Lord. Help us to spend time in your presence as we learn to differentiate what is from you and what is from us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Anish.